Good, good morning, Bridge City Church, White Oak. Here we are. Come on, let's give God a great big hand this morning. Let's just thank him and honor him. Come on, can we do that together? Come on, let's just thank God here today. Also, we want to welcome our online family, our faith and family and friends. Come on, can we give everybody watching a great big hand here? Come on, let's just welcome them. Come on, a real big thank you for being here today. Thank you for uh, joining in and being with us. I believe God has something really good to say to you this morning. No matter if this is your very first time at the church or uh, this is maybe your, you've been here 5, 10, 15 years, I believe God has something specifically to reveal to you and communicate to you from God's word today. How many of y'all believe that? Come on, I believe that with all my heart. Here we are in a brand new series entitled, Come and See. Come and see the goodness of God. Come and experience all that God has for us. Hey, um, many, many decades ago, back when I was a teenager, I was 15 years old. I grew up in, uh, I grew up in a Catholic uh, tradition, went to church regularly. Uh, I almost every single week we were, we were there. Uh, my parents loved God. I was exposed to Christianity in different ways. I was exposed um, to different events and different outside events outside the Catholic Church. And so I heard the gospel message several times. But there was one specific day I was with my friends, and we were at the Monroeville Mall. And um, we were doing what every 15- and 16-year-old boy does at Monroeville Mall. We were um, being mischievous. Come on. Is anybody willing to be honest there? And uh, so we were hanging out. Somehow we ended up in this um, uh, a, a store that uh, sold suits. And uh, there was a man that worked in the store there, and he sat us down, my two friends, and he sat there. And he began to passionately talk to us about Jesus. And I remember there was just something about him talking about Jesus that, like, it, it just something, my heart began to beat my, real fast. And, 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 and we left there. He got done talking. It was like, that was nice. And we left him. And we did what anybody would do after that moment. We went to the donut shop and got a dozen donuts each. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Back in the day when I could still eat a dozen donuts in one sitting. And so after we, after we got the donuts, and then we went and got a couple cheeseburgers, and, and then we got a couple milkshakes, <laughs> come on. And we, but when we talked, I remember talking with my friends. I said, you know, there's something about what he said. I can't shake it. I can't shake. There's something about what he was talking about that just made sense to me. And so, um, and so two months went by, and here, that was in June, in August of that year, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. I became a follower. I didn't just become an acknowledger. I didn't just believe in God. I thanked Jesus that he forgave me of my sin, and I just said, God, if you'll take me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. That was my prayer. And, uh, and then um, just, uh, just a little bit of time, I, or excuse me, a little bit of time after that, I ran into that same man. That was uh, that, that talked to me about Jesus at the Monroeville Mall, and he said, "Hey, he said, There's, are you in a church?" And I didn't, I didn't really have a church home at that point. The Catholic Church asked me to leave. Imagine that. That's a whole different story. And um, and so I, I said, "No, I don't have a church." And he said, "There's a church starting, which I think you'd really like." And here I went to church that day. I think there was twelve, uh, twelve plus people there that day, and uh, that was greater. Pittsburgh Word and Worship Fellowship, which became Word and Worship Church, which is now Bridge City Church. And, um, and uh, I've, I've been a part here. 
I can't believe it's been 40 years. 40 years. This is the only church I've ever known, the only church I've ever really been a part of here. And it all started with that one invitation. It all started with, hey, there's this church that you might like. That's, what it's, that's how it started. It started, of course, he told me about Jesus, and then I met him, and then I just came to church, and here I am 40 years later. I don't know if you realize, there's people in this room right now, should Jesus not come back 40 years from now, that's going to be your story. That's going to be your story. That, and some of you are thinking, it's only the young people that are going to have that story. Come on. That's right, 40 years later, that's going to be you. Because there's a spirit of come and see what Jesus is doing. That's what I want to communicate with you today. Why did God put Bridge City Church on this planet? Why did he put our church on this planet? What are we here for? I'm glad you asked. Here, I want, I want us to, to, to read our, this is why we exist. This is why we exist here at our church. And I want us to read this together out loud. So we're going to read this together. Can you everybody see that from where you are? I want us all to read this out loud. Y'all ready? Here we go. We How many of y'all think that's a really good reason to get up in the morning right there? Come on. See, that's why we exist. Come on. That's why we're here. 40 years later, we're still doing it. And I'm just so excited to be a part of that. That's what this is really all about. We want, we want people to begin a relationship with God, but then we want you to become something afterwards. Because that's the fun part. That's when it starts to get good. That's when it's really, really awesome. So today, I want to take you to the Gospel of John. It's in the New Testament. There's a writing by a man named John. And uh, he gives an account. It's a gospel, which means good news. And I'm just going to read some verses out of John chapter 1 here. John chapter 1. Now, now there was a guy in the Bible called John the Baptist. That's not the John that we're talking about who wrote the gospel of John. But he was really cool. John the Baptist, he, he, uh, it says he ate locusts and honey. He dressed in camel hair and had a leather belt. He reminds me of the kind of person that never brushed his teeth. Come on. That's, that's, in my mind, I, I don't have a chapter and verse to prove that, but I just think he was a rough guy. He was a rough dude. That's how he grew up. And he was pointing everybody to Jesus. That was his job. He was there to point people to meet Jesus. So in my book, he's a really good guy. Here we go. John chapter 1, 35. The following day, John was standing, again standing, with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there's the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. You see, John the Baptist, that's the guy. That's the one I'm pointing to. He's the one. And his followers were like, we're going to follow that Jesus. So this is what happened in verse 38. Jesus, he's walking, two guys behind him, okay, he looks and he sees, and he looks at them and he says, what do you want? No, he didn't really say it like that, I'm just messing with you. No, but see, in our mind, that's how we think, what do you want? No, 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 totally different, totally different, you, you're, you're misreading it here. Really, if you look at the connotation in the original Greek, which it's written, it's like, hey, what are you looking for? Hey, what are you looking for? 
Do you know there's people in your life right now, they, they, they want to see Jesus. They're looking for something. Some of you came here today. It's maybe your first, second, third time here. You're looking for something. You're searching for something. And I want to let you know, Jesus knows it, and he's asking you, what do you want today? He said, what, what is it you're looking for? What is it that you want? That's what he's saying here. There's this, this inquisitive. So don't get Jesus all like in your vernacular, like what do you want? No, 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 no. What are you looking for? Hey, what are you looking for? There's people that live next door to you. They're looking for something. What are you looking for? And so he asked, and he, and he, said, he said, said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you? Where? Mm. I mean, he's talking to Jesus here. Heart beaten, palms sweaty. This is Jesus. Like, like where, where, where are you staying? <laughs> you know, there's people that want to know where Jesus lives. I'll tell you where he lives. He lives when we all get together. Right. Yes, there's Jesus in your heart, but in his church, that's where he's manifest, right here. At Bridge City Church, we're a small part of that, but he lives here. You know where Jesus lives. Yes, he lives inside, but he lives in all of us together. We are the temple of God. So Jesus, red letters, that's what these red letters are. Jesus says, come and see. Jesus like, gay, you're looking? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Can you, can you see? Jesus just said, come and see. And when Jesus says, come and see, you should go and see. And so this is it. So, so, so check this out. This spirit of come and see, in the, in the first chapter of John, there's five people. The fab five. The five people. The first ones that we see in the gospel of John that became followers of Jesus. There was Andrew, who we're going to talk about. There was John the apostle. There's Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. Check this out. This spirit of Jesus of come and see affected five people very significantly. Pretty cool, right? Because he's like, hey, you want to see? Here I am. Come on, follow me. Check this out. That's what this spirit is. I'm so thankful Jesus didn't say, well, you know, Peter's a fisherman. He's real busy. I don't think he can come. No, no. He never, he never showers after his shift. No, no, no. He just didn't say like, oh, Philip, you know Philip. He's always asking questions. Philip's, uh, Philip's doing this. Philip's doing that. You know, oh, yeah, Nathaniel has a family. He can't come. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't say no for people. Right. I am so glad Jesus does not say no for people. How, do you, how many of y'all realize we say no for people all the time? Right. Oh, they're too busy. They'll never come. They're this. They're that. But I want to let you know, Jesus never says no. I'm so glad he didn't say no for all these people. Let's stop doing that. What do you seek here? So here in verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. See, right away, Jesus, when he meets people, he begins to change people. Because after all, it only takes one look. 
It takes one moment with him. That's what we sang about today. It takes one moment with Jesus, and he begins to change lives. You can't meet him and not be changed. When you meet the real Jesus, and it all started off with, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Just come and see. Just come and look here. And that's what this is all about. So who is this Andrew? Andrew kind of like kicks it all off. Andrew, which, which means manly. It means men of valor. Man of valor. So he was a strong man. But he was, I believe, I believe a blue-collar guy, an ordinary guy, no great education. How many everyday ordinary people do we have here today? Come on, how many do we have? Yeah, that's me. Everyday ordinary Come on, just blue collar. There's never a sermon preached by Andrew. There's no sermons that he, that he preaches that we find in the Gospels anywhere. But he became one of the apostles. He was a faithful follower because he met Jesus. Not only that, Andrew went and got his brother, Simon Peter. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, or maybe you have a different family, different kind of family. Reaching your family is the hardest people to reach. Yeah, I hear those amens. I hear, I see, come on. I see the heads going, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, reaching your family. You know why? Because they know you. But Andrew wasn't afraid to say, hey, Simon, come and see me. you got to check this out. He's the Messiah. This is the real deal. Because we're, we're not, listen, we, we want family. We want friends. We want everybody to meet here. We, how many, we need some more Andrews around here that are willing to go out and just get their friends and family and, and just say, come and see what God's doing. You don't, now listen, you, you say, you, I tell you what, this is going to be our deal. You go out and get as many people as you know to come and see, and we'll do our best job not to embarrass you. <laughs> we'll try. I can't, I'm not going to promise, but we're going to try real hard. Are you good? No, seriously, come and see. You're going to see this. It is so awesome. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard of Billy Graham? How many of y'all heard of Billy Graham? Very famous evangelist, traveled the world. Many people accredit him with leading millions of people, millions of people to meet Jesus in a real way. But you know what's interesting? Who was it that led Billy Graham to Jesus? Many people say that it was Mordecai Ham, which is true. He was an evangelist that was doing tent meetings, doing revival meetings in the Carolinas. And he was, uh, he was doing meetings at times, six nights a week he was preaching revival, 11 weeks in a row. That's what he was doing. And you say, well, Billy Graham showed up at that crusade, and he responded to the gospel, and the rest is history. Not so fast. Billy Graham didn't want to go to the, to the crusade. He didn't want to go to the event. As a matter of fact, his parents kept telling him, Billy, you need to go, because he grew up in church. Billy grew up going to church every single week. They prayed around the table every day, but he said he didn't want to go. But there was a man who worked for his father named Albert McLean, and Albert McLean persuaded Billy Graham to go. He persuaded him. He kept telling him, you need to go to this revival. You need to go here. You need to go to this event. You need to go and hear it. You need to go hear it for yourself. And actually, Billy Graham, said, and he was in his teens, he said he had no desire to go. No, no desire at all. Until he heard there was going to be protesters there, and there was going to be a fight. And when he found out there was going to be a fight, his friend, check this out, the reason he got there, his friend promised him that if you go, you can drive my dad's vegetable truck to the crusade. 
And so I don't know, Billy must have had a thing for vegetable trucks. I don't know. But I don't know the I don't know the man's name that let him drive the truck or his dad. But he he drove a whole bunch of people to go because he heard there was going to be a fight. Came to the event, heard Mordecai Ham preach, and then as he began to preach, Billy Graham responded to the gospel, said, "Jesus Christ, would you be the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future?" He asked Jesus to lead his life, and I'm telling you, the rest is history. Billy Graham's life was an example to be followed. Do you know where it started? Of course it started at home, but it started it way before he got to that event. There was a friend in his life that was persuading him. Right. There was a friend in his life that says, we got to go together. Right. That's what changed him. That's the spirit of Andrew. Right. I believe that Jesus' church needs more Andrews and Andrewettes. Now, let me ask you a question right here today at Bridge City Church, White Oak. Now, how many of you here, how many of you came to Bridge City Church as a result of a personal invitation? Somebody invited you. Raise your hand. Could you just raise your, raise your hand real high? Okay, it's like most, most everybody here, personal invitation. Okay, good deal. How many of you met Jesus Christ in a real way? And like you met Jesus because of a personal invitation. Somebody said, come to this event or come and meet Jesus. It was a personal invitation, right? Wow, look at that, look at that. Aren't you thankful for that person that invited you? Aren't you thankful? How many of you are mad at that person? No hands are raised. Come on, yeah, yeah. Not right now, no. Yeah, but you, how many of y'all, like, how many of y'all know that, that they invited you, but they set you up? Come on. <laughs> to meet Jesus. To meet this real God. To meet this Jesus who's alive and well. Can you believe it? This Andrew, that's what he was all about. As a matter of fact, when Andrew, listen, whenever you see him mentioned in the Bible, there's two other distinct places. There's this really cool story in John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds thousands of people with some bread and some fish. Do you know who brought the boy to Jesus who found the boy with bread and fish? It was Andrew. Andrew was like, oh, Jesus can use this. Let me take you to him. In John chapter 12, there's people that came to town, and they were asking. They wanted to meet Jesus. So his, the apostles went to Andrew, and they said, Andrew, and Andrew says, I can hook you up. I got tickets. He says, I, I got this. Follow me. See, if you get around an Andrew, they're going to lead you to Jesus. Real simple. Nowhere did Andrew do other heavy, heavy hitting. He just did the inviting. Church, I believe we're going to become a whole bunch of Andrews and Andrewettes. How many of y'all want that spirit on you right now? Come on. I believe that. It just starts with come and see. Come and see what he's done here. Check this out here. See, the invitation to come and see is done by a someone, not a something. A lot of times we want the crusade to do it. We want Pastor Nick to do it. We want somebody else to do it. Oh, if we only had this program, we had that program. It only works. See, that, 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 that crusade that Billy Graham went to, it was only as effective as Albert and that friend of Billy Graham's got him there. Without them, that man could have preached the paint off the walls, as they say in some circles. But it wouldn't have mattered unless somebody said, come and see. Come and see this. Come. you got to experience him. This is awesome here. That's what we're talking about. Seven out of ten people state in, in, in surveys 
that they would come to church if a friend would invite them. Think of your life. If you make a, you make a list of 10 people that are far from God, think about seven of them coming with you to church. Wouldn't that be good? Come on, do you believe it? Come on, I believe that would be a good thing. But some of us, we just, we just forget. It just, it just becomes, ah, we're not really sure here. So let's go on. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, what would he say? Come, follow me. Because after you come and see, we become followers. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Like, do you see in the spirit come on him now? Verse 46, Nathanael, Latin, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, Latin, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? What did he say? Come and see for yourself. This spirit's getting catchy. It's getting catchy. Are you feeling it? First, you know, Jesus tells Andrew, then Andrew tells another person, another person tells another person. Now they're all going to do this come and see thing. Are you tracking? But then they get to this point and say, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And now most of us think like, like, Nazareth must not have been a good place. It must not have been. Now it'd be like, it'd be like McKeesport. What's it now? I can see her. The, the, couple of y'all, your, your neck got really straight right there. Mm-hmm. Come on, I mean, I mean that's like, like what good could, could, can come out of there? Think of a place that you don't like. Okay, let's not pick anywhere local. Let's say Philadelphia, you know, Cleveland, you know, it's like, now I feel better. I feel good. Okay, you're right. Nothing good. Nothing good is going to come out of there. Right, that's how, hopefully there's nobody here from Cleveland today. If you are Okay, yeah, they're good. <laughs> I was just messing with you. But let's think about what Nazareth is. See, Nazareth was a specific place. It was a small little town in a very insignificant, secluded place. True. You could only get to Nazareth, only it was a very narrow way to get to Nazareth. So when they were saying, see, see Nazareth was established so the outside world, the influence of Rome would not come on to, to it. So when they were saying, Nazareth, can anything good, that secluded little isolated place, what they were really saying was, in, in today's vernacular, Jesus' church, what good can come out of his church? Because we can get so isolated, so secluded, so separate from the world that you can, you can only get there if you really want to get there. Rather than to be accessible to the world, to be accessible to people. It would be like the second floor of the Empire Building. Are we in the Empire Building? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. It'd be like, what good can come out of there? That, yeah. I mean, I, I go to the Mexican place, but I ain't going to that church. You know? No, see, that's what, the, that's what the spirit is on our land right now. 
What good could come from a Christian? I want to tell you, there's a lot of good. As a matter of fact, if this world, in this country, in our community is going to get anywhere, it's going to be because Jesus is church and people like you and me. I'm telling you that right now. So, so that's what he was saying here. There's so much more to the story than just now. Okay, that's funny. Huh, Nazareth. Wouldn't want to live in Nazareth. No, no. Jesus' church, we're going somewhere with this because the invitation that we're to give is so much bigger than just a simple come and see. Let's go to Luke chapter 14 together and let's look at this together because I want you to see the bigger picture to the invitation that Jesus, that we are giving as Jesus' church here. Now, in Luke 14, there's another invitation. Jesus is talking to people, when you have a big party, don't invite those who can only pay you back. You know, like the people, like you, you invite them so they'll invite you. No, 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 no. He was saying don't do that. Invite people who can't pay you back. Invite people who won't pay you back. That's, that's what he's saying here. And so this person at the table here, in verse 15, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the, in the kingdom of God. I just kind of threw that in there. God. See, he was trying to impress Jesus. He was trying to take the sting off of having to do anything and saying, oh, there's going to be this future banquet. This future banquet in heaven, yeah, that's, well, what a blessing that will be. And we get to go. So Jesus, he never misses an opportunity here. See, see in, in, in John chapter 1, it was an actual account of what happened. In Luke 14, it's a story that Jesus tells to communicate something significant. So you've got to differentiate. There's the actual account. And now there's a story because Jesus has the heart of a father who never misses an opportunity to make a point out of something. Where's my dads out there? Come on. I see those hands. We're going to tell a good story. So here it is. Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, come, the banquet is ready. In biblical times, you would send out an, an invitation, and then, hey, there's going to be a banquet, there's going to be a big party, and you would respond. You know, like, do you want chicken or fish? Not really. <laughs> but you would respond, well, I'm either coming or not coming. It was a real invitation, not like a Facebook one, just my thoughts, you know. Um, so it was a real invitation, and they had to respond. So once you responded, coming, I'm, gonna, I'm going to attend, okay. Then when the banquet was ready, the person throwing the banquet, they would send a servant out and say, hey, it's ready. you got to come now. The banquet's ready. you got to come to this banquet. This is the deal. It's time. It's now. Let's go. Okay? So th this is what's going on here. Now, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people at this point. Because everywhere you read in the Old Testament where it says Israel, it's speaking of the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were God's selected people. They were the chosen people to experience God. So he's speaking to them. God the Father chose them to participate in his banquet, not only the future banquet, but the banquet here and now to participate with God. Okay? Now, now they would have gotten this here. They would have understood, come, the banquet is now ready. Now, in verse 18, but they all began to make excuses. 
ouch. One said, I have bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. Blaming his wife. That woman you gave me, God, I got to take care of her. So here they start making excuses. One says, I just bought a field and now I got to go look at it. I just got some oxen. Now I got to test them. Who buys a field or buys a house and doesn't have it inspected first? Who gets oxen and doesn't try them out first? I don't know about you, but I test drive that car before I take it. But they're making excuses. And married, and there's all this stuff. They're, ma- they're making excuse after excuse after excuse and saying, oh, well. See, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, were making excuses why they didn't have to participate with Jesus at this point. So who am I speaking to today are church people who keep making excuses because they're not participating in the goodness of God. Because we make excuses. Well, my kids are in a lot of sports. Oh, this is going this way. Oh, I got school. Oh, I got to work. Oh, I got to cut the grass. Oh, I got to cut the grass again. Oh, I got to wash the car. Oh, I got to go to this. I got to go to that. It's summer. I deserve a little me time. Are you with me now? Was there anybody here I didn't offend? I'll keep going. Come on. No, I'm serious. This is what we all do. We make excuses. Well, there's this and there's that, and I don't want to participate because this. And and who's he talking to? He's talking to God's people. And there's God's people that he wants to participate in a great, awesome banquet that he's hosting. I'm telling you this. When God throws a party, it's a good party. You don't want to miss it. There's not just chicken or fish. It's a buffet. And I want to get an eat all day pass. Come on. See, that's what we're talking about here. But we have excuses here today that they don't participate. And I'm, ch- I'm challenging you today to get rid of the excuses on why you can't participate. There's no excuse that's too, too big here. So check this out. It goes on. Verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they have said. His master was furious. Furious. Emphasis added. Are you seeing this here? Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Who's the master? God. Jesus is the servant making an invitation. And they're giving Jesus excuses. And let me just put it to you in a way that you can understand. It ticked God off. Now, I don't know about you, but in my house, when we made Dad furious, it wasn't good. Are you with me? Like like that moment where when Dad finds out, he's going to be furious. He's going to kill me. Come on, how many of you ever said that? this week yeah come on listen 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 I just know this isn't it interesting that Jesus' red letters in this in this story says that God's going to be furious when his people won't respond 
did, did you, are you reading the same part I am? I don't want to make God furious. I'm serious. I'm being honest with that. That means a fixed anger on a settled opposition. I do not want to be the center of God's being furious, his fixed opposition to God. Do you? When we make excuses and say, we're good enough, I don't need to participate, that's what we're doing. Ouch. Not only that, when he said, go out and get the poor and the blind and the lame, what he was saying, and I give, I've given you two scripture references, because those are the people that were not allowed into the temple because they had deformities. They had deformities here. So, so, so the servant told his master, and, and the master says, go quickly into the streets. Go into the alleys and go to the people that religion has kept out. Go to the people who has religion. They can't get in because religion says, stay out. You're not good enough. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I don't fit in. I have some deformities. You've come to the right place. Why would over 100 people march in a parade through White Oak and giving out tea, iced teas and invitations? Because they're saying, come and see all that God is doing. Come and see for yourself. you got to come here and look at it yourself. You won't believe me what I found. I found Jesus, and you got to meet him too. Because what he's done for me, he can do for you. I'm telling you that right now. So the solution is go quickly here. And so in 22, after the servant had done this, he goes into the streets, he goes into the alleys, he comes back, and he reports to to the master, God, there's still room for more. There's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges, you know, where the dogs are barking, that fence you don't want to open. Go to where there's a separation now. There's a separation between you and them. Go there and and compel them, urge them to come in. And I'm praying about this this week. I'm saying, God, what does it mean to urge to come in? I'm literally, I'm I'm going, I'm sitting there. My Bible's open. I'm, I'm like, what does it really mean to urge, to compel, a pressing necessity? And I'm sitting there meditating on this, asking God, what does it mean? Literally, this is what happens to me. I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I get this cramp in the back of my leg. I'm not saying God did it. Dehydration did it. And too much exercise. But I got this cramp in the back of my leg. It was one of those where you're like, like everything goes off. And like I'm on the floor. I'm I'm like pressing my toe. I'm pulling my toe. I'm like, I'm beseeching God in a loud voice. One of those. Like, I would have done anything to get rid of that. I mean, it was hurting, and my legs quivering, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. And I'm like, I'm doing anything. I'm like moving, and I'm squirming all over the floor. And when it finished, and I said, thank the Lord, I said, now, I had some urgency on my life. I was going to get rid of that that leg cramp. If you're asking God what urgency means, be a little more specific. Because I'm going to pray that you get some Holy Ghost urgency and leg cramps on you. We don't have an urgency. We don't. I'll get to it. Jesus will always be there. 
that church does fine without me. God doesn't need me. You need to get rid of all those excuses and everything in your mind that says that. Because God's looking for a few good men and women that will go out into the highways and byways and just say, come, come and see. Because God's design, according to here, is that his house would be full. God's looking for a full house. God put us on the planet to see heaven get bigger and hell smaller. But I'm not waiting, like that man said in verse 15, to get to heaven to get the banquet. I'm experiencing it here and now. Right now, right here, this is what we're doing. And God wants a full house. That's what he wants. That's what he's looking for here. That's what I'm going to go for here. Now, I don't know about you, but I get distracted. I get busy. Um, last night, I was with some people. My wife, Natalie, and I were having dinner with them. And um, one of them said something to me. They said they had a friend who I've only ever met once. I did meet them one time. And um, it wasn't even in a church setting. They said, hey, if, if Rick will take this building, I'll buy this church building. I want, I want to see a church there. Now I'm going to be really honest with you. All I thought of was all the excuses why, why we can't. I, I, I wish I could give a more holy response. I didn't. As a matter of fact, it woke me up in the middle of the night last night. I couldn't shake it. I was up several times. Just why did I not, why did I not even consider? Why did I not even think about it? Why did I not even ask God what he thinks? Am I saying God wants us to? No. I'm just saying I didn't even give it a consideration. How calloused does my heart have to be not even to think about it? And if I can get there, I'm willing to bet maybe there's some people here that get there too. So that's why we're doing this Pittsburgh mission trip. In just a couple weeks, on June 16th, which is a Thursday night, I'm not going to be speaking and ministering. I'm going to be receiving because my heart needs to turn back out of Nazareth into the world. I need to get the spirit of come and see and God can do great works through me back on my heart. If you're like me and life has just got you kind of centered on here and now and you're not really looking at those people in your life and in our lives, I want to invite you to come with me and my wife and Pastor Nick. He's going to be there. We're going to do this together. And we're going to get trained on Thursday night. Then Friday in the morning, we're going to get training and then we're going to go out and do some things in, in communities here in White Oak and Murraysville, all of our campuses. And then, then on Saturday, it'll be at about 6 o'clock. And then on Saturday, we're going to do the same thing right about till 6 o'clock. I want you to come with me. And because I want our church to have a come and see attitude towards it. I want our church to see what God can do again. Are you with me? And if you want to go and you want to be a part of it, get to what we call connection point your way out. Right at that little desk before you go. Just ask them for more information if I didn't clarify anything for you. If you're online, you can send us an email. Hit us up. We'll get you all the information that you need because this is too important to, to run past. Come and see. The reason God put our church on this planet in Matthew 5 14 you, that's not you as an individual, that's all of us corporately. We're a city set on a hill. On a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You put cities 
in strategic places. Jesus puts his church in strategic places. God put Bridge City Church on this planet in four locations. I'll ask Jesus about the fifth one. If he says do it, count me in. It's a done deal. Would you stand to your feet with me today? How many of you are encouraged in some way, shape, or form? Come on, how many of you are encouraged to invite somebody? How many of you know somebody in your life you could invite to come to church? Anybody here? Come on. So this is the first question I want to ask today. If you're here today and you don't have a date, a moment, or time that you RSVP'd to the great banquet that Jesus is holding, you came to the right place because that's why we exist. That's right. It's like, are you coming? Are you you're invited to the banquet? But you gotta check off attending or not attending. You gotta make that choice. Even saying, I'm not attending, you're making a choice not to be a follower. That's that's making a choice. So I'm going to ask you if you've never made a choice to make Jesus Christ the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future. If you've never said, I want today to be my day, that you know that you know that you know. You asked Jesus into your life and you wanted to be a follower. You came to the right place. That's why we're here. So God, I pray for every person in this room right now has never RSVP'd for God. They've never RSVP'd to the invitation to become a follower of Jesus. God, I pray for each and every one that's, that, that, that wants to be a follower. They're just, they're just nervous right now. and they're, they're having fear in their hearts right now. Let them move past that right now in Jesus' name. So if you say, I want Jesus Christ to be in my life. I want Jesus to forgive me of my past. And I want to check off, yes, I want to attend and participate in that banquet right here, right now with Jesus. I want you to do something really bold, really awesome, but so, so good. I just want you to lift up your hand real loud, real high, right now, real high. Just say, say, that's me right now. i got to become a follower of Jesus today. Anybody in the house today that says, you know what? Today is my day to become a follower. Anybody here says, today is my day. Today is my day. Hallelujah. Anybody, just last chance. Thank you, Father. Very good. Now I want to ask one more question. According to what's on the screen right now, how many of you are going to bring some people with you? thing is, you get to put that number in. It's unlimited. So if you're here today and you say, I want that spirit of Andrew in my life, just raise your hand and say, I want to put a big number in that there. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, I pray for every hand that's up right now. Every hand that's up, Lord God. I thank you that each and every person here that's going to have the spirit of Andrew on them, to have the spirit of invitation on them, to invite as many people as possible to your banquet, God. Grant us the grace, Lord God, to live while you put us here on this planet. And let your spirit be upon us of come and see. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being so great. If you could just be seated.